Welcome to Notes from the Electronic Cottage. I'm Jim Campbell. So, have you been geofenced lately? Huh? You might say? And that would be a reasonable response, since geofencing isn't part of most folks' everyday vocabulary. But it is part of many people's everyday experience, although they may not know it. In simplest terms, geofencing indicates a physical space within which some sort of tracking of electronic devices, usually though not exclusively smartphones, can take place once a person carrying such a device enters that geofenced area. In other words, if you have a cell phone and you enter an area that's been geofenced for some reason, whoever is behind that geofence knows that you, or more specifically, your phone, is within the geofenced area and when. So, why does someone want to know when people are within a specific geographic area? For example, there are, of course, all sorts of commercial reasons. If you haven't seen the movie Minority Report, which came out some years back, take a look and you'll see lots of examples of geofencing in action. But just to name a few now, a retail store might send coupons or notices of sales or other enticements to enter their store to people who are in a position to actually come to the store. There's no point in sending a coupon that's only good for the next half hour, for example, to someone who's 10 miles away. But if a person is within, say, two blocks of the store, a big discount coupon that expires in a few minutes might be just the thing to get a potential customer in the door. Or maybe the owner of a large mall wants to see how people move about inside the mall so that they can improve pedestrian traffic flow or know where to put another food court. In that case, a person's phone is essentially providing a map of how they move about in the mall, where they stop, and what they do. Or, and this is already happening in some higher-end stores around the country, a combination of cell phone sensing and facial recognition software allows an employee of the store to make a special personalized greeting for repeat customers, even if the employee has never seen the customer before. A notice that a special customer is entering the store shows up on an employee's phone along with a picture, and voila, it's, Hello, Mr. Smith, so happy to see you again here at Sneaky Pete's Emporium. How can we help you today? Retail sales are only one of many uses of geofencing technology. It's also being used in these days of tightening labor markets by employers trying to entice workers to come to work for their companies. Some of the actual examples we've come across include sending ads to people at truck stops to come and work for a trucking company, or ads within a geofenced circle around a major hospital trying to encourage skilled medical personnel to consider applying for jobs in other medical facilities, often in other parts of the country. While this stuff may sound a bit creepy, it's the kind of stuff we've come to expect, for better or worse, in our increasingly digital, quote, personalized world. What we might not expect, and what is really creepy, is the use of geolocation technology in law enforcement, or even potential law enforcement applications. For example, a few years back, administrators at the University of North Carolina, in the wake of the disturbances in Charlottesville, 
We're concerned that a demonstration that was scheduled to take place at a site on campus where a Confederate statue had been removed could become violent. So the university contracted with a geofence company to monitor the social media posts from all the cell phones within that area to see if there were any calls made for violent behavior. By the way, some large music festivals or concert venues do similar geofence monitoring for a variety of reasons. Security is allegedly among them. And one of the fastest growing uses of geofencing is spreading among police departments across the country. If a crime is committed and the police don't have any suspects, they may try to get what's referred to as a reverse warrant and serve it on Google, for example. The warrant will demand information about any device that was signed into or using a Google service at the time of the crime in a specific area surrounding where the crime took place. Google says that it does not initially provide any personal information to the police about the owners of the devices. We only know this because Google publishes six-month reports about the number and type of requests for information they receive from law enforcement. How cell phone companies might respond to such inquiries, we do not know. The police then try to combine that information from Google with any other information they might have to figure out if any of the devices seem like they could have belonged to the possible crime perpetrators. At that point, the police will ask for specific information about particular devices. We note that there are currently several cases in which police departments are being sued for substantial damages for arresting the wrong people using this reverse warrant approach. In one case in Arizona, the arrested person, who turned out to be the wrong person, lost a job, had a car repossessed because no one would hire a person who'd been arrested, and became homeless. That lawsuit, for well over a million dollars, is still pending. But apart from some individual botched cases based on these reverse warrants, some of which are pretty bad, there's a larger issue brought about by technology that the founders could not have foreseen. The Fourth Amendment to our Constitution says, quote, the right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated. And no warrants shall issue, but upon probable cause, supported by oath or affirmation, and particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized." End quote. Does a geofence warrant asking for information about any device that was in a mile, say, of 25 Main Street between 5 and 7 p.m. on February 15th sound like a warrant that's based on probable cause and, quote, particularly describing the place to be searched and the person or things to be seized, end quote? If you don't think so, you're not alone. This is another case where courts will have to figure out what important parts of our Constitution mean in today's digital world. And we'll do our best to report on what the courts say, right here on future editions of Notes from the Electronic Cottage.